Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I'm Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about track number 12 on Kate Bush's debut album, The Kick Inside, called Room for the Life. this week we have my co-host going ahead and introduce yourself hello there this is cecily's husband andrew link uh yeah i'm here to talk about having room for the life do you have room for the life honey uh, honestly after the week i've had i don't know (laughs) i don't know yeah you've had andrew has had a pretty rough week at work but you know that being said um i got room for cats yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, we've got, in fact, fact, we've got two of them in the room right now. Uh, one of them, Dom Dom, was going to be purring up a storm, and now he's just sitting chilling because he's the Seth Rogen of cats. <laughs> so, room for the life. Um, this We are now on the second to last track on the kick inside. We're almost done. Oh, my God, Dallas. I can feel the ending coming for the first season so this song was written for her first album and we all know that her first album was written when she was a teenager it was released in 1978 when she was not even 20 years old so she was a teenager when she wrote this song and well it was recorded for her first album um she herself has said a couple of things about this song and we'll get to those in a little bit the song was produced at air studios in london during the summer of 1977 when she had just reached 19 years of age for this song we have david patton playing bass david patton has played on a couple of other songs from this album and you'll remember we talked about him in the previous episode them heavy people as well as in the episode for Oh to Be in Love. Ian Berenson, also from Pilot and the Alan Parsons Project, played guitars. Uh, he played beer bottles. Um, the arranger for I'm this pretty album. pretty sure everyone involved in this song played a lot of beer bottles. Oh, probably. I mean, it was documented in Under the Ivy, Graham Thompson's book, that uh, sometimes even... Uh, Kate Bush engaged in a little bit of Mary Jane, if you know what I mean. Uh, Andrew Powell, who was the arranger for this album, Kick Inside, as well as Lionheart, the next album. He played Beer Bottles. Stuart Elliott, the drummer for Cockney Rebel, was the drummer. I know about Cockney Rebel because of their song, Make Me Smile, Come Up and See Me, which was covered by Duran Duran, and I love Duran Duran. Also, a prominent Scottish composer and session musician who played with Peter Gabriel, Kate, and Mike Oldfield, among many others. He played on these tuned bongos called Boom Bams. He played on that song as well. And then, of course, there's Kate on the piano and vocals. And as usual, backing vocals. Wooma, ma, ma, wooma, ma, wooma. So that's the production of the song mm-hmm. and the story behind it. And there are some quotes about it. Now, um, yeah, so um, what are your impressions of this song for air? Oh, I, did, I'm sorry. Did you want me to speak intelligibly? Yes, I did, honey. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to emulate Kate and just mumble my way through this entire thing. Or or maybe I could just talk in a really em- weird, emphatic, and completely out of regular patterns voice. 
No, not really, honey. Oh. No. But, but I'm just taking inspiration from this song, which I'm sorry uh, <laughs> okay. it's my least favorite on the album. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, this is kind of my least favorite, too. So what we're There's saying here is, spinning this into a positive way, I yes. am, after all, a teacher. We want the positive exactly. message. Exactly, and so, teacher, too. Uh, listeners, if you love this song, you are a lovely individual, and we would love to hear from you about mm-hmm. why we should love this song. Because I don't like it. I don't either. Okay. Ah, We're going to try it. We'll we'll try and just give objective thoughts about it. And that's good because even in the Tory podcast, they've gotten to some songs that one or the other really doesn't like much and they're able to. So again, listeners, if you love, if if you truly love Room for the Life, please send us emails, send us tweets, send Mm -hmm. us Facebook messages. Um, Of course, trying to keep them, you know, polite and constructive as much as possible. Yes. Even record a message on your phone and send us a link to it or, 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 or set up a time when you can talk to Cecily on the phone and she can record and we can release a special like room for the life part two where all of the people who love this song explain why I am completely wrong. <laughs> and why I'm completely wrong, too. And speaking of which, kbcast at linkmedia.com, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast, or you can find me on Twitter at strangekatecast. So my personal thoughts on this song, as we've mentioned, it's not a favorite. In my opinion, it's not bad. There are very few of her songs that are bad. I mean, there are going to be some songs later on that I'm going to have a... It's going to be fun trying to be positive about Ken. Um, A B-side from her Central World Days, because, oh my God, I really do not like that song. But hopefully you will find a fan. But hopefully I will does. find a fan who will say, hey, oh my gosh, this is the best thing she's ever done. Like, okay. We're going to do this like when Stephen Colbert had Jon Stewart on and they took turns saying positive things. So that's mm-hmm. what we're going to do here. Uh, you say a positive thing and then I say a positive okay. thing. Okay. I love the jazzy drums on this song. I think that this song has some very good imagery in the writing i like that the arrangement isn't overly busy i like that kate is experimenting with her voice as an instrument i like that the drums aren't heavy on the song at all i like the thought that this song seems to be proposing that that women have a strength in them because women can carry and create life and therefore they they have this strength and this light and they are powerful and strong because of this ability to create and carry life. I like that she's trying to explore big ideas. You're when you're a teenager, you're trying to figure out your way through the world and how everything works. And I like that she's trying to think about the big picture of what it's like to be a woman. Okay, so now we've set the positives. And and we can elaborate on and them a little bit. We can elaborate, yeah. The reason that this is one of my least favorite songs of hers is because I feel like she's trying to put forth a good message. That, yes, women are resilient because we are we have the ability to give life. But I feel like that message gets really muddled in the song. How so? Well, I, because I... She, she has said in interviews that... Um, here's something here. This is from uh, Labushka from Sounds Magazine, August 30th, 1980. So the publication date, retreatfromgaffa.org. Quote, I asked her whether she thought of her music as being distinctly female. Taking room for the life from the kick inside is example. KB. People thought that song was feminist, which disappointed me. It was actually saying we should go a bit easier on men because we are the ones with survival inside us. We carry the next generation. We have the will to keep going. We keep bouncing back. I don't know if that's anti-liberationist, but I wouldn't say femininity was very strong in my songs. 
I've always felt there was something lacking in my feminine role, do I mean? Being brought up with two brothers, I'd sit philosophizing with them while my girlfriends wanted to talk about clothes and food. Maybe it's the male energy to be the hunter, and I feel I have that in me. Okay, she says that this is supposed to be about how women should go easier on men, that we shouldn't be playing around with their emotions so much. Okay, that's all fine and dandy, but where is that in the lyrics? Yeah, I mean... I'm like, uh, but, uh, what? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, don't get see, that sense at all. I don't think... I, I do not see anything anti-men in the lyrics. No. So she's, she's... And plus, she's not one of those singer-songwriters that goes, on, Oh, men are awful pig! Yeah, so, I mean, she it, could, do that anyway. it could be she's reacting to... Uh, you know, th- this song came out in late late 1970s uh looks like what is this fall 78 Mm -hmm. and at you know at the time we're kind of at the height of women's liberation and the the the, like mid-20th century feminist movement and i can see where maybe people would take this song and given the context of the time think that she is being very super pro women and we are powerful i am woman hear me roar yes (laughs) which is totally what i think of when she goes into that because we're women i totally think because we are women hear us roar i feel like she's gonna start singing afterwards yeah i i can see where people would get would get that impression and so maybe she's trying to wind back that impression a little bit and point out that she had a different intent and maybe a more poetic intent, maybe a more subtle intent in the song. I don't see that she's wrong in interpreting her own song as being, um, I guess, pro-men in the sense of saying, hey, women, we should be content in ourselves because we can create life. Uh, and uh, what is it she says here? Uh, like it or not, we keep bouncing back because we're women. I mean, it, it it's showing the strength of women. And I do like that it's not showing the strength and then trashing men. Yeah. It's entirely positive. It's these are all of the wonderful things about women. I just don't see how that is also being positive towards men, except that it's not trashing men. Because there's nothing in there. I don't look at these lyrics and see anything about like using our ability to help them. Like, where is that at all? Because the entire chorus is talking about, oh, there's room for the life in your womb, woman. Oh, hey, you've got room to carry. Hey, you, you've got a womb that you can produce another person. How is that supposed to help men? What? Except go, oh, hey, hey, guess what? We got somebody with your eyes and my lips or something. I mean, I mean, if we go back to maybe to like some of the man with the child in his eyes and things like that, where she's talking about men as maybe it's maybe she's going into sort of the duality of the species. That, it could be that in order for the species to continue and in in many people's view, in order for people to be whole, there has to be this unity. And, you know, the, the that and, and she might be saying that women are supporting men in that the ability to bear children supports the man's need to carry on his family. Maybe. I mean, I, and that would kind of fit with her saying in that quote that maybe she feels a little bit... Anti-liberationist? Yeah. Yeah, maybe, and it might go back to that quote a little bit where she was saying that maybe she feels a little, uh, what was it, anti-liberationist. If this song is supportive of men it seems to be supportive of men in the sense of saying i am here fill me with a child and i shall bring forth the next generation because that is my strength as a woman and that could come across as maybe a little anti-liberationist could but i mean i can see that she was trying that kate was trying to talk about a big idea but i think that 
honestly, she is a little more subtle and a bit more, a bit deeper later on in her career when she explores more male and female relationships, especially on Hounds of Love. Yeah. Like, like, oh God, you know, running up that hill is all about trying to switch places with your, with our, your loved ones so that you can better understand each other. Realizing that each of you are complicated creatures and there have been misunderstandings and so you, you want to be able to understand what they're going through and what they're fe- feeling. Um, love and anger from the sensual world is all about like this feeling like you can't tell somebody something that's really deep down and important to you and you're letting it tear the relationship apart and you know, so you're like but we you know I love you but you won't tell me anything or uh, from that same album between a man and a woman it's that one is another one that's going to be interesting to talk about cuz it's re- I really don't like that song <laughs> but it's got some good it's got good lyrics but just the music is just but I feel like she tried to Try to introduce a big idea in the song, and it's just gotten muddled. And frankly, some of the imagery I do like, but it's her. It needed to be clearer, I think, as to what her exact intent was in this song, and she didn't quite get there. I'm, I'm looking at this one stanza: "Night after night in the quiet house." Plating her hair by the fire, woman with no lover to free her desire. How long do you think she can stick it out? How long do you think before she'll go out, woman? We could say that this is a case of Kate Bush being a true artist and that she has created something that's ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, reading this verse carefully, I can think of very feminist readings and very patriarchal readings. Mm-hmm. And there is a complexity to this. I I think she got better about this sort of complexity later on. I'm torn, Cecily, because I'm trying to decide, is is the lyric writing in this song brilliant because it's so complex and can be interpreted in so many ways, which is one measure of art to say Mm -hmm. this is a piece of art and different audience members can take different things from it. And that is a valuable thing. Yeah. Or should we be using the uh, approach where we're trying to find the artist in the work? Because if if she's writing Mm. from the approach where we should be able to find the artist in the work and see the artist's views and opinions, uh, art as pedagogy, then great. Uh, This definitely needs to be more clear. Yeah. If she's going from the perspective of art as a as a neutral statement that anybody can appreciate then i think this is very well done mm-hmm. maybe it it might even just be an element of of how time has passed i mean yeah i mean we are looking at this song 40 years after it was written and a lot has changed in 40 years yeah oh let's see um among other things uh at least here in here in the united states gay marriage is legal marijuana is legal in colorado i i think interracial relationships are not that big a deal anymore how many interracial relationships do we see at the local mall like tons I'm going to sound super nerdy here, and I've managed to hide it pretty well for the last few episodes. <laughs> Let it out, honey. I'm going to compare this song to Star Trek or Stargate mm. or any number of old science fiction shows that you watch them and go, 
Well, isn't that sweet? They mm-hmm. were creating a nice little piece of art. And, you know, it was entertaining. Isn't that nice? Versus, say, a modern sci-fi show where, well, if this isn't gritty and realistic and if they don't have some sort of direct correlation to politics, but not too obvious, then it's not deep enough for people to understand. So I I wonder if it's a matter of the environment in which the art is being produced, where this is sort of art for art's sake and it's expressing a complex emotion within her and maybe she doesn't have a strong stance on men and women and their relationship between the sexes but she has these complex feelings and she's trying to give you a sense of her feelings Mm -hmm. without obviously making a political statement could be in that sense i can appreciate the lyricism of this Mm -hmm. i still don't much like the music i don't much either (laughs) um i'm talking too much your turn (laughs) okay well i've actually got another quote here from kate this was from personal call which was a radio show on bbc radio one this was done in 1979 And somebody actually asks her about being supposedly women-oriented or are you women's lib and all this. So the host says, Hello, Kate. Both your albums seem to me to be very woman-oriented, like Room for the Life and In the Warm Room. Would you say that you are for or against women's lib? In the Warm Room, we're going to get to that song for Lionheart in the next season. She says, I'm always getting accused of being a feminist. Really, I do write a lot of my songs for men, actually. In fact, In the Warm Room is written for men because there are so many songs for women about wonderful men that come up and chat you up when you're in the disco, and I thought it would be nice to write a song for men about this amazing female. And I think that I'm probably female-oriented with all my songs because I'm a female and have very female emotions, but I do try to aim a lot of the psychology, if you like, at men. So that was from Personal Call. Another one, uh, this doesn't reference directly Room for Life, but the, the sentiments behind it about differences between the sexes. This is from an anonymous writer who wrote an article called The Private Kate Bush, and he published it in November 1985 in Hot Press Magazine. And she says... There are a lot of women who obviously want the same opportunities, who don't want doors shut in their faces. But you know, we should help each other, for God's sake. We shouldn't be fighting against each other. We should be working to help each other. And men have to be educated as much as women do. We have both been really conditioned. Okay, we are different. We have to recognize that. But we should be able to work together and help each other. And I think we can. We are all sort of sitting here feeling confused, both the women and the men. Or alternatively, the men are out there being chauvinist pigs and the women are out there being feminists. But there's a lot in the middle, a hodgepodge of people just trying to adjust. Sarah, she's talking about some of the differences between the sexes. And, you know, it's an important quote to mention in light of this song. I mean, she's not talking directly about Room for the Life, but just the differences between men and women and how we should be using that to help each other even though like we've said here i don't really get where she's saying how we how the fact that i can hold a kid can help a guy i don't know but that's just me as far as you know favorite lyrical moments i know we've we've been talking about that in all these songs I honestly really don't have any (laughs) in this song. I think these lyrics could have used another pass. I wish that she had been a little clearer with her intent. But you know what? That could just be me. Yeah, and I I truly think this is a case where listeners, if you have a deep connection to this song, please do uh, post comments on, on our Facebook record something and send it in call arrange a time to call cecily and we can do a special mini episode of responses because 
the, the neither sun... of us are neither of us are feeling this one, man. Yeah, and, and I can <laughs> I can see, you know, activating my English major looking at this from different perspectives brain, I can see where people would find things to latch into in this song. It just mm-hmm. doesn't really speak to me. It doesn't either for me. But, you know, I, I'm a childless man in my thir- in my thirties, so <laughs> And, you know, I'm a childless woman in her 30s who actually prefers the company of her fur babies. So maybe maybe if I had children, this would make more sense. Maybe if I lived in the 1960s, this would make more sense. So please, if if we're missing the point. Yeah. If if things are going over our head, like, let us know. KBCast at linkmedia.com. Is my email address at strangekatecast or facebook.com slash katebushpodcast. You can hit us up there. So did Kate have anything else to say about this song that we think is important? Um, Not that I have seen, no. Um, I've pretty much read most of the quotes I've found from her to even talking about this song. Um, I know that it's... Uh, I get the impression that the media probably took her to be like took her to be as a feminist because of this song, and she's gone. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, I should have found the the quote here. There was a, something else I'd read from her where somebody asked if she was a feminist, and she she was like, "I oh, know I'm not. I don't know why people keep thinking I am." <laughs> performances uh yeah um before lady gaga came out in an egg kate bush came out in an egg yes and she got trapped in the egg and they had trouble getting her out so she just kept playing her guitar while banging against the then the drummer exploded and no no am i mixing this up with spinal tap yes you are oh i'm sorry and this came out what, five years before Spinal Tap. So we'll just say that she was inspiration. Okay. <laughs> well, this was only ever performed on her tour of life. This was in the first act of the show. I'm assuming that the reason she split her songs up into acts was not just to give it a theatrical quality, but also because she lumped together songs that were you know, thematically similar this one came right after the saxophone song. So this was the third song of the night. And before the song even began, all the lights were dimmed right after the saxophone song. And there was a heartbeat going throughout the theater. The bootleg that I found of this performance because it was not officially released on live at the Hammersmith Odeon. (laughs) Um, Actually, you can hear the heartbeat and presumably the recording I found audio wise um, was a soundboard recording from her Manchester show. And there's a little part where during the heartbeat where you hear like, she sounds like she's going (gasps) something like that. And I'm assuming that that sound is per putting on the headset mic. This is a headset mic song. And getting into the little egg. Which, oh yeah, speaking of which, (laughs) you can hear this intro here. the piano starts and she is wheeled out into this circular plushy egg thing (laughs) she's dressed in this bright green leotard with some sort of huge glittery bandeau top or something i'm not quite sure what it is 
but it's a contrasting color with the screen leotard she's wearing. And she's got the headset mic on and lots and lots of makeup, lots of stage makeup. And it looks like she's got some handles on the inside of this egg. And two of her dancers are rocking it back and forth as she's singing the song. As first, she's standing up and like rolling around. Honestly, it looks kind of like, oh, it looks like hamster wheel, but not quite hamster wheel. And then she, eventually, during some parts of the song, like she actually like lies down on the bottom part of the egg. And the camera is coming in on her as she's got, you know, the headset mic there. starts to actually come out of the egg and she starts to do jazz hands jazz hands and she just starts dancing with her dancers and she goes like two and one she holds up a two and then her pointer finger when she gets to the one so two and one uh, um. it's just dancing with her dancers and then she leaves the stage and the intro riff is done again while the light is shining on the um, is shining on the egg, and the way that the the light is hitting it, honestly, it looks like a uterus. Probably intentional. And it's probably intentional because the whole time she's in this red thing that's supposed to be a womb. Heavy People, which is this, which is the following song. Kate comes out all dressed like a like she's stepped out of I don't know the Maltese Falcon or something, and that red couchy thing, egg thing, is then rolled off the stage. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, uh, at the beginning of Them Heavy People, the official version, you see them roll off the egg, and since you don't get to see the official. Uh, footage for Room for the Life 
you're left kind of, okay, what's with that red thing? It, but, oh, that was left over from the previous song. Okay, the live version of this, it, it was a revelation to me to watch it when I found it on YouTube. Somebody had uploaded a Dutch documentary called A Kate Bush in Concert that included her singing this song in the warm room and I think maybe one other song that wasn't officially released. And I had never seen, I had never seen the live footage for Room for the Life before. And then it made sense why there was this red couchy egg on the stage at the beginning of Them Heavy People. I'm going to be real honest. If Them Heavy People was a little too, huh, why are we dressed like this? This song was, I think, a little too literal. Okay. With her being, like, in a literal egg. Yeah. I get, and you know, sorry, I, I, I feel like if you're listening to this, you know, go ahead, throw throw your virtual tomatoes at me. But I see, I see she was trying to turn in, you know, performance art, like the kind of stuff that David Bowie was doing for years before she came around. But it's just, it feels like, okay, yeah, this is a little literal. <laughs> And while it's neat to see her performing the song, because the footage for the song was not officially released on Live at the Hammersmith Odeon, and you have to go on YouTube to see it, it's nice It's nice to see her performing the song, but eh. <laughs> I feel like it was just, that song, it was a little too literal. But then again... She was trying to present pretty abstract ideas in a stage setting. And how do you convey male and female relations <laughs> on stage? I mean, that's not something very concrete. <laughs> so it's interesting to watch her. Um, you know, you get to see her with the headset mic. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, hey, look at that prototype for what Lady Gaga and every other pop star uses now. <laughs> I wish that the footage had been officially released. There are all sorts of speculation as to why it wasn't. Everything from, oh, the sound wasn't that great, to, no, the picture quality wasn't that great, to, oh, no, the footage has been mysteriously lost. So who knows? I mean, it'd be nice if she released the whole thing. But yeah, I think that's unlikely after all these years, though. Yeah, it's just like I'm 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 doubting that she's ever going to release a DVD of Before the Dawn, which makes me really, really sad because I really wanted to go there. And one, the ticket sold out quickly. And two, it was a really awkward time of year. It's like right before school starts. Hey, let's go ahead and take a week off. So the only live performance she's ever done of this song was on the tour of life. It's the third song of the evening. You can find the footage for it on YouTube. You just type in Kate Bush Room for the Life live and there it is. So you can see it for yourself. Alright, so at this point I would usually be talking about other versions of the song, like, oh, there are demos or remixes or something. Ha <laughs> ha, guess what? I didn't find any at all. <laughs> no other versions of this song exist except uh, bootleg live versions and the album version. She's never redone this song for a director's cut or anything. Um... Goodness knows she hasn't even performed it live since 1979. But, well, we all know she's only ever done two sets of concerts. The Tour of Life and then Before the Dawn. So actually there's quite a bit of her discography that's never been performed live. I managed to find one cover of this song. The only cover version I have found for Room for the Life was an instrumental piano version which is really relaxing to listen to and taken out of context of, oh, this is a Kate Bush song. It's really interesting to listen to and you can take a listen here. 
Yeah, that's relaxing. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Yep, it's nicely I, done. It does highlight that the music here is pretty, and the mm-hmm. lyrics are thoughtful. I just, I feel like it's early experimentation, which yeah. he wasn't quite ready to do progressive strange music yet. Mm-hmm. And I agree that maybe the lyrics could have benefited from another pass. And another thing about the lyrics, that, that part at the end, a woo-ma-ma-ma, ma 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 I... That's what okay. I mostly mean when I talk about it being progressive and strange. I assume mm-hmm. that that's like a predecessor of the, the strange noises on the dreaming. Oh, the strange noises on the dreaming, hounds of love. Oh, let's see, the big sign. Can you die, do they die, Kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. This was the predecessor to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to me, it sounds so goofy that I feel like it detracts from what I think is supposed to be a deep and thoughtful song. Instead, I'm listening to it just kind of chuckling instead of thinking, oh, this is really thoughtful. There's some deep stuff behind the the lyrics. Plus, I don't know. Maybe this is me talking because we don't have kids, but... You know, I'm going, well, but I don't know. I'm more than my uterus, but that's just me. I feel like my strengths are other things besides being able to have, well, she puts it two in what? So that's it for Room for the Life. <laughs> well, we found room for this life. We, we found room for making life, a life out of this episode. So there you go. We are now hitting 40 minutes, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's impressive. We haven't, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. We got five minutes into this song, and I thought we were five minutes from the end. Well, we managed to find other quotes and other you know, discussion. And honestly, I figured that this was going to be more of a discussion about the theme kind of episode because, well, there's just that one live version. There are no other covers of this song. It was never performed outside of her tour of life. So, I mean, And if you're a musician listening and you have a cover that you just haven't put on YouTube or SoundCloud... Hey, let us know! Please, send us. We'll, we'll include that in our special Everybody Loves This Song bonus episode. Exactly. So if you're listening to this and you're going, Hey, I would love to talk with her about my favorite Kate song. Or, Hey, I'm going to defend Room for the Life because it's my, it's my jam, man. Or whatever kind of thing. Please let me know, either by email, you can do kbcast at linkmedia.com, hit me up on Twitter at strangekatecast, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast. I want to hear from you, because part of why I want to do all these episodes is so I can meet other Kate fans, and we can talk about how awesome Kate's music is. And you know what? Also to highlight that, you know what? Just because you have an absolute favorite artist doesn't mean necessarily you like everything they've ever done. And that's okay. Because, you know what? There are still plenty of other songs to talk about with Kate that we even, you know, you and I both like. That we can just for hours mm-hmm. if I don't find anybody. So, email me, Facebook, Twitter. That's where you can find me. And I want to hear from you. I want to hear from people's. Because hearing from people is awesome. I want to hear. Yay. So thank you so much for being with me on this episode. Thank you for helping me to make room for uh, life for this episode. Well, thank you for making (laughs) room for me in the life of your episode, darling. Of course. I'm always happy to be here. And if I could uh, do a plug for just a moment. Yes. Hi, listeners. If you want a little bit more of my sarcasm but in, in, <laughs> in text form, I do write science fiction and adventure mm-hmm. novels. You can find me on Amazon as Andrew Link, L-A-N-K-E. Or uh, please look at my Patreon over at uh, patreon.com slash Andrew Link. Um, if, if nothing else... Um, help me feel better because I, I just bumped into... Let's just say I don't write sci-fi erotica, and it's a little frustrating when I see so many people who do write it 
getting literally hundreds of of of, of backers, and you know I've only got a few backers for my for my writing. So if you like non-erotic science fiction and, and adventure, feel free to, to take a look over at, at at my site too. And did you say the the URL for it, honey? Yeah, uh, patreon.com slash Andrew Link. Mm -hmm. Also, andrewlink.com, A-N-D-R-E-W-L-I-N-K-E. Yes, we are a link with ease at the end. Think of it as linky, and you're <laughs> yeah, probably like linky. right. There you go, exactly. So there are links out there without ease, but we are links with ease. Linkies, we are linkies. It's been a lot of fun here, Sess, and Indeed. thank you for having me on this album. Because this is this will actually be the last time I'm with you for Indeed. this album. Indeed, um, the next episode going out is going to be the title track for the Kick Inside, where and... I get to talk with Graham Thompson, who wrote Under the Ivy, which is a Kate Bush biography, it came out a couple years ago, and which has been. A treasure trove of information when it came to putting together this podcast and like, okay, what, what was the story behind this song? How was the song produced? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, Graham Thompson, yo, where's your book? Okay, we go check that out. So I'm going to get to talk with him on next week's episode. And I'm also going to warn you all that next week's episode is going to contain some very heavy themes. The next episode is The Kick Inside, and it's based on an old folk song that, well, um, deals with lots of murder and a little bit of incest. Not really... Uh, just a little incest. Just a little. You know, just a week. So, as a warning, next week's episode is going to be a little bit heavy, so you might not want to listen at work. I'm going to do what I can. <laughs> There we go. So that's going to be next week's episode, and then we will be done with the first season. Now, I am going to do a special episode about, hopefully, if I can get uh, if I can get a hold of the guy, Brian Dongray runs a longtime Kate fan site with information about her demos and even links to listen to and download some of the Kathy demos, actually all of the Kathy demos that we could, he could find. And they were available. And he uh, got in, I got in contact with him because I've gotten a lot of information about the Kathy demos and some of her early work from his website. And I hope to talk with him about the Kathy demos so we can like, okay, so let's see where did this very precocious teenager come from? What were her roots? I also plan to do an episode all about the tour of life. I'm going to be putting that together very soon, so you can contact me at the same addresses. And if you were there in 1979 and you want to share your experience with me so I can relive it, because I wasn't born yet. And then there will be one B-side episode, which will be about Scares Me Silly, But It Gets Me Going. Um, the only completed studio track that is leaked <laughs> in her entire career. But that's for the B-sides and everything. So... Thank you once again for making room to help me bring this episode to life, honey. Thank you for having me. Indeed. See everybody next week for the last episode! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 